the burnout and the fade away. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is, wherever you are. My name is Malachi J. Matthews, and I am joined as always by Hollywood Fletch, and it's a kind of magic, Mark. Because <laughs> it's Highlander. It's a kind of magic. Did you used to have that as your entrance music, Mark? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> Sorry, was I supposed to give you more of an answer? Yeah. No, no, I that's did. fine. Fletcher, stop hassling the cat. Hello. Little ditty there from Magic Mark. Used to be a steam tune, that dude. Did it? Yeah. Back in the good old days. But back in the good old days of the wrestling. But speaking of the good old days of the wrestling, he's only got his finger in there. He's back, he's back in the wrestling now. Oh, it's only for one show. It's at Pride 2021 in London. Ooh, Ooh. It's just the one show at Wembley. Yes. Not fucking Wembley. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, just saying goodbye to wrestling with Big Gay Show. It should be fun. We're going to come with you and uh, berate you from the, from the sides. Wave, we wave rainbow flags and shit. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, go, we'll paint on our faces. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it'll be a good laugh. Be a good laugh. It'd be nice to see some, some different wrestles. So, well, just be nice to see some wrestles. Really, so wouldn't it? We haven't had a wrestling show since, like, March. No, we haven't. So that's that's it. So it's been six months since it's been an actual wrestling show. We're actually off up to Leeds at the end of the month for uh, the Deathmatch Outlaw four-man tournament, Deathmatch tournament that's going on up there in Leeds, being filmed to be shown in October. So that's two little slices of wrestling that we've got to look forward to. Oh, I'm going to that. You are going to. You go to both of them, but Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good times. What have you been up to, Fletch? I've been a nightman again. You look a bit confused and tired at the minute. I'm so confused. It's been it's been a bit weird, actually. Why? I've just been up all night doing night shifts, looking at divot boxes on eBay. Ugh. You're supposed to be doing work and you're looking at haunted boxes on the internet. Yeah. Mark doesn't approve. Mark doesn't approve. No, I mean... I, I mean, It's not that I don't approve. It's just that I don't believe anything about these silly boxes that... There is no such thing as ghosts. There is no such thing as haunting. It is an overpriced, slightly stylized wine box. You got possessed the other week. Mark, we've got audio evidence, like Zach Bagan's level evidence of you being possessed by the conduit. You are living. You didn't believe him when he said it was for Voodoo Academy. That was you trying to pull our clangers from up in the north. Don't come with your northern clanger pulling lies, Mark. You were possessed. You were possessed. We heard it. You gave us Blair Witch 2. Yeah, you did, yeah. I don't remember that. We're going to go look at look for some ghosts this weekend at Elberston Castle. Do you know how many ghosts you'll find? None. You will find no ghosts. But you have a lovely time doing that. I see ghosts all the time. I can't close my eyes. I've got a subterranean door in my cleaning cupboard. And well, sometimes it opens and it goes fetch and I have to just close it, like, not today. No, no, you've been watching Trapdoor, dear. That's what's been going on. First of all, yes, because Trapdoor is awesome. It and is. second of all, I, I can tell the difference between live-action real life and plasticine Trapdoor world. Can you? Can you, Blake? I mean, to be fair, I did knock myself out two weeks ago at a cartoon horse, so you have got to be careful. You did. Yeah. So, uh, I, you, you did what? 
I, uh, I gave myself a concussion on the radiator because we were watching cartoon intros and the bit with the horse, the galloping horse off of gummy bears. <laughs> it was gummy bears, wasn't it? The black horse off of gummy bears. I hit my head on the corner of the radiator. Well, all I can say to this is you are you. Yeah, we'd been drinking, to be fair. <laughs> Surely not. Yeah, we're now men of wine. We've decided right? we, we've turned our back on... Oh no, well, we're going to an old man pub this weekend. We'll only drink things with like Bishop's Finger or something like that. Stinky, stinky winky. There's some sort of frothy like... head. Yeah, Bishop's tit. Could have right. some, yeah, some of that. But yeah, we're men of wine now. We drink red wine. We drink red wine now. Uh, crime nice. wine. Do you know what crime I'm drinking? Wine. What? Fizzy Vimto. Fizzy Vimto. I've also been to Legoland this week. Really? Legoland? Yeah, I went with my nephew. Is that why you took a picture of a fucking Lego shark? And sent it to you, that's exactly yes. right, yeah. Fucking Marcus Von Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> what about the massive crows? They weren't in Legoland. Why is there huge crows in Slough? I don't know. Well, I went for a walk from my hotel in Slough. Regretted it because it was like bare route. Uh, but I did see giant crows on the roof of a tyre shop. So obviously, because I know Fletch is scared of crows, I sent him a picture of giant crows and then I saw a Lego shark and because I know Fletch is scared of sharks I sent him a picture of a Lego shark I'm such a cunt So your week your week has basically involved sending frightening photos of plastic animals to Fletch Well, last week, what did we do? Oh, Blair Witch, we were lost in the woods last week in the year 2000 but this time we're going back even further Fletcher, what did we do this week on Super Tap Film Club? Highlander! Highlander! Sweet baby Jesus, it's Highlander. a classic. Highlander. This was 19... the first time I'd seen Highlander. Unbelievable. What the hell? Highlander is far and away my favourite film ever. If you go on my Letterboxd profile and look at my top five films, it's just Highlander. I love this film so much. I know you do. It's a little treat. A little treat. And I, I would say... This is my, I think my three favourite films are this, Terminator and Fright Night. I think they're my three favourite films of all time. I hope Mark actually liked it. I thought it was alright, I enjoyed it, it was funny. It's possibly the most glorious film ever made. Fight scenes are a bit naff in a kind of cute 80s way. The fight scenes are a bit naff. The fight scenes are perfect. Okay, um... I can see this being a, an interesting episode. Yes, well, we'll get into it because from the dawn of time we came, moving silently through the centuries, living many secret lives, struggling to reach the time of the gathering. When the few who remain will do battle to the last because no one has ever known we were among you until now. That's it. Yeah, what, what do you want? Prodding me in the legs. <laughs> I don't think the first the first thing I love is that that's it. That's your explanation. They'd, they've just been around forever. We've been around forever. And even later on, when Christopher Lambert asks him, like, so why am I mortal? He just goes, you just are about. Get on with it. Get yeah, in all it. honesty, yeah. I like that. I do. Because you get a lot of particularly modern telly where fucking hell, they take a series to get to the premise of the show. Whereas Get it done, get Sean Connery with his excellent accent doing a wonderful just, this is what the world is, 
deal with it. That earns a love heart. Brevity Sean Connery earns a love heart. Perfect, perfect, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, like you say, like you say, Malachi, there's one bit where he's like, I don't get it. Why are we like this? And he's like, why does the sun come up? And that's his answer. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> that's a good answer. It is, yeah. So, here we are, born to be kings with the princes of the universe. Oh, that was terrible. So, yeah. Fucking queen. You used to I, sing in a band, didn't you? I did, yeah. But I've Freddie Mercury just jumped out of his grave and did. died again. Let's take that again. I am immortal. I, I am inside the blood of kings. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that earned a love heart. Sean Connery <laughs> followed by Queen. Quick fire love hearts. It, it did start well. I'll give you that. <laughs> so the entire soundtrack is by Queen. It is, yeah. Did you know it's because Queen? We've shown this film and asked to do a song for the soundtrack. I think this song, Prince yeah. of the Universe. And they watched it and Queen thought this this film was so awesome that they were like, we'll do the whole thing. We'll do the album. We'll we, do it for you. We'll do everything. And each member of Queen took a turn in writing a song for it. Madison Square Garden, wrestling. Wrestling, the film starts with wrestling. Unfortunately, it starts with the fabulous Freebirds. <laughs> Did uh, you see the... Um accidental diss on wrestling and it, it pointing out that wrestling shows even at this point didn't sell out and they topped off areas uh, what with the with the strange helicopter shot at the start yeah where there was loads of seats that didn't have people in <laughs> yeah they've been doing that for years that I was made watching... me smile that they were dissing wrestling at the very start of the film in fact I was I was feeling quite bitter about wrestling that earned a bitter love heart <laughs> <laughs> I was watching an NWA documentary Mm. on the network that crane shot mm. is in it is it yeah <laughs> huh. the, crane, the crane shot with the fabulous three birds is from highlander is in it well there you go watching in the wings like sting but a different kind of trench coat wearing heroic mystery man eyes lit he watches christophe lambert conor mcleod of the clan mcleod oh, speaking of which flashback to ye olde Scotland. It's like the Braveheart times, ladies and gentlemen. Do you see the guy who sat with him? Oh, and he's going, yeah, yeah! There's a guy who's leaning down in his ear, like, kill son of a bitch! Yeah, he loves the free birds. That he's just screaming at, he's like decided to befriend Chris Lambert. Yeah, just as, At yeah. the rest. At the rest. Of, well, that happens to be fair sometimes, doesn't it? You get, oh, you get a drunk guy at the Don't, time. I hate when that happens. Yeah. That's what I'm like at the Rise shows. What? I'm just, I'm just there, just watching, Stoic. watching stoically while someone's just like bloody hell. <laughs> so yeah, flashback to a battle lost in time, a million lifetimes ago. <laughs> but he's back in Madison Square Garden, back at the wrestling. Lambert stands up. He feels, he feels a calling, lads. <laughs> the gathering is upon us. All remaining immortals on earth gather and they fight because there can be. Only one Highlander, but to be fair, there's fucking loads of them. They always say there can be only one in this film. Just after you have to do one, there's loads of them. They're all over the place, including Roger Daltrey's a bad, bad one in the series. And Mario Van Peebles is also a Highlander, an immortal, not a Highlander. Are these series and films set after this or before this? Because obviously my, my current Highlander knowledge is just this film. Right, it, they all follow on after each other. This, yeah. The second one, we'll talk about the second one later on in the, in the show. 
but it's a sequel that they basically ignored because it was so stupid that they just ignore it. So they made the third one and they don't even mention the second one in the third one, do they? In mm. fact, they've even got like, the third one starts with Christophe Lambert in a nice jumper sat next to a fire telling you about the first film and not the second one. But the, the, this film came to a conclusion where there was only one left. Where do all these others come from? Well, we'll have to watch the second one and see how that one goes, Mark. Right, I'll okay. tell you about the second one at the end, because if I tell you now, it'll ruin it. Honestly, this is a long-suffering franchise, yeah. Mark. After this film, they had, went downhill. Two other, they had two other... Four other feature-length films. There was a TV series, which was actually all right. There was two TV series. There was one called The Raven as well, which was about a female immortal lady. There's a cartoon. The cart- there was a French cartoon that had fuck all to do with it. Yeah. And there was also a anime, Japanese anime. And there was an Origins comic book. Yeah. Out of all of those different extensions of the franchise, how much of it was actually good? This film. This one. Really? The third one with Van Peebles in it is all right. But that's just basically the first one again. Madison Square Gardens. So he moves down into the car park. Bright lights in the car park. Clip, clip. McLeod, a business douche man with aviators, pops up behind McLeod, and that's where you get business douche samurai fight. Amazing stuff. Did you enjoy this fight in the car park? So I I put down sparkler swords. Yeah. I I don't. Why did the swords, when they hit, kind of like have fireworks coming out of them? Because they are magic immortal swords that have been folded 200 times. Mark, that's why. Magic Blades. I mean, I enjoyed it and gave it a love heart. I also gave the the excessively unnecessary backflip a love heart as well. Yeah. He went a long way with that backflip. He is. He's a very... For for an old fella, he's quite supple, isn't he? And he does backflip the entire length of the car park when he's looking for him, which is amazing. For, 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 like, no reason. He could have walked. He back flicks off the car first, doesn't he? You think, oh, that was pretty cool. Then two minutes later, he's just... It was a fun fight scene. I wouldn't say it was a good fight scene, but it was a fun fight scene. And it did earn two quick-fire love hearts from me. It's doing very well so far, this film. Good stuff. And it was an excellent fight scene. It is an excellent fight scene. They set off the fucking sprinklers. Oh, yeah. Because a... their fighting is so hot. It's the sparks from their swords. <laughs> the sparkler swords. Sparkler swords, yeah. So, obviously, McLeod takes the head of the business douche. I can't remember his name, the business douche. Can you remember his name? Business douche. Business douche. Oh, it's like a Polish name. Yeah. But he takes his head, and that's the first time we see the quickening. The quickening is like some kind of mystical orgasm that happens when you kill another immortal. You take his head and you get filled with space magic. All the cars come to life and start honking their horns and all the lights explode. Conor McLeod goes, Ah! It can be only one! For now! Police sirens. McLeod stashes his ancient blade and he runs into the night of New York City! He gets in his car and he's got an awesome car. Yeah. And he tries to drive out, but the police block his way. And then he gets out of the car and Garfield is there. Garfield? The cop. And he's like, don't move, pal. Don't even breathe. And he's like, shoves him up the police car. Yeah. They frisk him and all that business. Yeah, sorry. And there's a really good transitional shot because the camera is looking over the roof of the car at Garfield and Chris Lambert. 
and then the camera pans downwards and comes out in rural medieval Scotland. The Highlands, it looks like the front of a biscuit tin, a very much like a short, a shortbread. Yeah, Sarah's from Scotland, she eats a lot of shortbread. Yeah. It looks like this on the tins. Yeah, it's like one of them tins where you find it at your nan's house and you're like, biscuits, and you open it, it's got, it's got like batteries. sewing shit. Yeah, batteries or something. So yeah, the Clan MacLeod, they're on their way to do battle. Victory to MacLeod, they've got the pipers piping away, people banging drums. Somebody turns around to Connor, because he's there, all long-haired, looking all brave-hearted. He said, are you scared, Connor? He says, no, Cousin Dougal. No, Cousin Dougal. I'm not. Actually, oh, these Scottish, Scottish accents. They are not... I don't know what accents they are, but they're not fucking Scottish. <laughs> Did you know that when they cast Chris Lambert, the casting director was like, we found him, we found our lead, we've got him. And then it was Chris Lambert, and apparently he couldn't, he couldn't actually speak fluent English yet when they cast him in this film. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. But yeah, he says, are you scared, Connor? He says, no, Cousin Dougal, I'm not. Angus at the back there, he says, I, pe I peed me kilt the first time I went into battle. And Dougal says, aye, Angus pees his kilt all the time. <laughs> you oldie banter, you oldie banter. Connor's wife gives him some flowers and said, you know, have a good time in the battle. And then she says to Angus and Dougal, bring him back in one piece. And they say, oh, we know what piece. His dong, his big Scottish dong. <laughs> Into the misty highlands, lightning fills the sky above the battlefields. The pipers play, both clans are ready. MacLeod is scared. But wait, a man sits atop a horse on an armor made of bones and metal. This evil man, he is the Kurgan. There's one called Connor among them. The boy is mine. Remember our deal. Remember our deal. It has begun. Death to the MacLeod, say the baddies. And they took charge, bagpipes of war play, and they just run at each other. War style, because that's what they do. And the monk knifes someone. Yeah, he does, yeah. And they says, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Sorry, baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, baby Jesus. Everyone's just stabbing each other up. Yeah. It is just like being in Scotland. But the problem is, everyone's getting stabbed up, but who isn't getting stabbed up? McLeod! McLeod just stood there going, fight me! Why won't they fight me? <laughs> so, <laughs> they all run away. Yeah, they all run away. And Kirk, somebody goes to fight him, and Kurgan goes, no, not him, remember our deal. He says, no one will fight me. And Kurgan, like, rides up on his horse, and he's like, I'll fight you. Yeah, rears up on his horse, and then, then they start scrapping, and he goes, mother of God. <laughs> he's just in awe of the, of the, just the powerful evil of the Kurgan. He gets off the horse, and he stabs Conor McLeod, and he says, there can be only one. And he's about to take his Scottish noggin, but his clansman, they see that this evil bastard, this black knight, and they knock him to the ground and he says, I'll see you later, God in the cloud. Okay, not today, another time for cloud. Is the Kurgan the greatest villain in cinema history? The answer is yes, yeah. because he I mean, is I enjoy evil. his glee. I do enjoy his I'm a badass glee. I enjoy his hat good. as well. His hat, it's a good hat. Hell is a powerful helmet. Have you seen a lot of powerful helmets, Malachi? Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark. It's funny because get can I, can I ask you a question? You can. How old are you? <laughs> After the battle, 
He's looking right peaky. Like, like, there's a priest there saying this fella is going to die. He's been stabbed in a war. Just leave him. That's what they used to do, isn't it? Just, just leave him on some rocks for a bit, and then we'll burn him like Darth Vader. They don't <laughs> leave him on some rocks. We left him in, in, in a fridge, you know, like a fridge. They put him in a hut in yeah. a bed. Yeah, we made out of because rock. he's been stabbed through the chest, through the middle of his chest. They tell his wife to pull herself together and yeah. stop crying because he's he's a Highlander. The last thing he can't hear is a hysterical woman. Get away from him! And he's just there going, "Oh, are we Paulie?" She is very hysterical. She is hysterical. She's hysterical from now on. From now on, yeah. Crime scene, back in America, guys. We're back in America. <laughs> Crime scene there, headless business douche. This is where we are. Uh, one of the policemen here. Did you know, did you recognise the uh, the bald policeman here? He's in a film that we've talked about before, but not on Tacklum, on Mark's programme. You mean The Crow? I do mean The Crow, yeah. The policeman. Who is he, Fletch? He's... Shit on me! Shit on me! Shit on me! He's the, he's the, he's the porn dealer who, who does each one of these rings. Clip. Clips. When Brandon Lee's clipping rings at him. Yeah, it's him. The dodgy porn shop man. Brandon Lee's shotguns rings at him. Yeah. Well, he's a policeman in this. This is where we meet Brenda. Now, Brenda, she works for Homicide, but she also writes books about swords from the past, which is really, really convenient. Because she turns up at this crime scene and they're like, this looks a bit swordy. And she's like, I'll tell you what I found under here, lads. It's only a bloody samurai sword. It's a Salamanca broadsword. That's, well, sorry, yeah, sorry, I got it wrong. I said samurai sword. It's a sword, Frank. It's a very rare sword worth maybe, I don't know, a million bucks. Any antique dealer on Hudson could tell you that. They're saying that because the guy that they took in, Connor McLeod, they think that he's a guy called Russell Nash, and he is an antique dealer. He's basically Lovejoy. He's been alive for hundreds of years, and he's taken a little bit of trinkets from all of his little places that he's been to, and he's kept them all in a place, and now he sells them like Lovejoy. Now they're at the police station. Nash, the immortal Lovejoy, is getting questioned about the beh uh, beheading in New Jersey. He says, you ever get over to New Jersey, Nash? He says, not if I can help it. I'm not going to try his accent because I don't think he can do his accent. You talk pretty funny, Nash. Where are you from? And he says, lots of different places. I know what this is, says the policeman. This is a good old-fashioned sword deal gone wrong. You went down there to buy a sword. You didn't want to pay for it, so you chopped his head off. And he says, no. McLeod's theory is maybe he was so depressed about the, the result of the shit wrestling that he cut off his own head in the car park, sassing the cops. And then the, one of the cops says, you're a faggot, Nash. You're a faggot, Nash. That's Garfield. That's Garfield. And he says, why? Why, Garfield? Are you cruising for a piece of ass? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, am I under arrest? They say, no. And he says, then turn me loose. And he just fucking leaves. Just walks out. Nighttime, New York City. The Kurgan is here in 1986. Now he's a street punk. He's driving. He's got the radio on. There's news on the radio about an unnamed headless man. I know his name! And he puts a queen tape on. That got a love heart because he used a tape. Yeah! <laughs> puts a queen tape Maybe. on and drives oh, into yeah. town. And he's now full street punk. He's got slick back hair. He's got leather, everything. He looks like Pete Steele. He looks like Pete Steele. He does look like Pete Steele. <laughs> and you notice as well, he's got a big scar. Like someone has tried to take his neck. He look Clancy Brown looks so awesome in this. He place. does, yeah. <laughs> he's got one he's sleeve as well. Yeah, he's sleeveless, but only partially sleeveless. Partially, partially sleeveless. sleeveless. He's just like, I'll just do the one. I'll just do the one. <laughs> he 
Are you going to stop him? You're going to tell him you do the other one or put the other one back on? No, because he'd take your head. So he, he books himself into a horrible hotel in his room. His suitcase, he's got his sword in sections. And this is where we get a montage of him assembling his sword in the hotel room and practicing some chopping over a deep bed of 80 synths. Briefcase sword earned a love heart because it, that that definitely popped me. I was like, obviously it was a piss take of a of a gun in a in a briefcase, wasn't it? Like you, yeah, you get all yeah. these scenes from films where they put together the sniper rifle on the roof before they shoot someone. This just made me smile. It was clearly taking the piss out of that, and I enjoyed it immensely. And I love the bit as well when he's finished his little when he's his little sword display he holds the blade up to his face and he says at last the gathering and he presses a button and two more blades come out of his sword and then when he sat net knelt he's a just, knock he just meditates of his sword after that and then there's a knock at the door ha i'm candy of course you are <laughs> of course you are he just has a prostitute right? yeah straight away just has one whilst he's sword meditating yeah that's well that's what you do if you're a bad evil immortal street punk man you get your hotel you sort your sword out then you get some diddles on that's standard that's day one fetch that's what people's does in the third one as well well the third one's basically the first one yeah yeah because he tries to eat a condom he does yeah he does he i'm <laughs> sorry what sorry so people's in the third one is the kurgan but he's more magical he's the sorcerer yeah he's a Why sorcerer the kurgan the kurgan well, he, he's in this, he plays the same capacity as the... Yeah, girl. he's the main... Gotcha, sorry. He's the main beef. Yeah. He's the main beef that leads slicing in this film. So, yeah, Brenda's in the police station looking at a little bit of sword under a magnifying glass. But the labs come back with different... She's like, these are the metal results that we found in this body. It, this, this, this one's different. These are both... These are ancient metals. This cannot be! Where did these ancient metals come from? The past. That's where they came from. Doesn't everything come from? <laughs> yeah. Connor goes back to the car park to get his stashed blade that he hid in the, uh, in the lights there. While he's there, Brenda's gone there with a metal detector to find more bits of sword in the walls. Because remember, guys, she isn't a short sword specialist at the police station. She's a police lady who just really into swords. Convenient. I mean, the universe prevailed for this lady in this film. She finds a chunk of sword stuck in the wall and takes it. McLeod watches from the shadows like Sting. I only just noticed this recently, why he wears a long coat in this film. To hide his sword? To hide his sword, yeah. His outfit's kind of weird, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it is weird. He looks like he looks like a sex botherer. He wears a Mac. Yeah. And he wears a shirt, some jeans, and this big pair of white trainers. Yeah, he, he looks like a homeless man. It just looks really odd. It looks like he bought all of his stuff from a like, charity shop. I mean, when he's back in France and all that, and during the war, he looked dapper as fuck. Yeah. Where did it all go? Maybe he just got to a point where he just, you know, like old ladies, they're walking around in odd trainers and don't give a fuck. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> you think he went Maybe. through the menopause? Yeah. He just goes to the shop and buys cat food and hairnets and biscuits. It drinks tepid tea. Goes for a £1.50 chip supper. I suppose you would get bored after a You bit. would, you'd get fucking bored. So, you know, that's why it's miserable. Brenda goes to a bar to de-stress. She walks in. Queen's just playing. Queen, Queen's just playing. Saxophone, deep saxophone. <laughs> 
but she's drowning her sorrows. I like the implication that this is some kind of alternate universe where Queen are the only band. That is the only music, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are worse bands for it to be the only band, you know? Yeah, definitely. Could have been It's like Wings. And it's 80s Queen as well, which has got the powerful, powerful... Thanks. Carry on. Yeah. Also, 80s Queen is the is the Brian May, I will not use a normal guitar sound ever. Yeah. I have to use some like pedal that makes it sound like a duck. Sorry. He just hates the sound of just a normal guitar. You know he made that guitar out of his fireplace with his father. His father. He did. What? And he's an amazing guitarist, Brian, mate, but he's boring as fuck, isn't he? I bought, I bought, was it bestowed upon him by his father? Yeah. I've got a, his autobiography. Nothing happens. <laughs> it's just like everyone else was doing coke and I went to bed. That, that's basically it. He did marry Angie from EastEnders, though, didn't he? He did. There's a couple of people from EastEnders in this film. There is, yeah. There is. <laughs> is Angie in it? Did I miss Angie? No, he didn't miss Angie. He didn't miss Angie. She doesn't well, we, Brian, well, we all miss her a job. We'll do you four songs, but Angie has to be in it. Yeah. Well, we all miss Angie. We all, we all miss Angie, Mark. In the background, Conor McLeod walks into the bar and he sits down in the background and he orders a Glenmorangie because that's an old-timey Scottish whiskey drink. Yeah, speaking of getting bored, surely he'd be bored of Scottish stuff by now. Yeah, because that's the only kid's banging on about. Is, is he <laughs> just been like alive for 400 years? Just eating square sausages and drinking Glenmorangie. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, oh, did you go to Madison Square Garden? Says it out loud to, to the pub. There's only got two people. Oh, do you go to Madison Square Garden often? And Brenda goes, what, me? Oh, yeah, yeah, you please, Brenda. What, what for? He goes, I don't know. Basketball, the circus, the, <laughs> the wrestling. The wrestling. He says, why are you asking me? Why are you asking me that? And he says, I'm going to walk you home. Let me walk you home, Brenda. Yeah. She says no, waits outside, follows Connor, Connor to his, his, his shop full of uh, trinkets from the past. Is Chris Lambert ever cast as his own nationality? I don't know what it is. Where's he from? He's like he's, he's like British. Gary Daniels, he's an anomaly. He's Belgian. Oh, okay. He's Belgian. <laughs> but like, the only roles I can think of are this and Mortal Kombat, where he plays Raiden. Yeah, but he's basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> like in Mortal Kombat he plays a Chinese man he leaves the bar Brenda follows him but he's, he's been around for hundreds of years so he's used to this people you know following surveilling him so he goes oh you're following me as he says oh you're following me Kurgan pops up and goes and swings his sword <laughs> and, he, and he pops up as well he does yeah Oh, like he's, he was just sitting on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> so whilst, whilst they were talking, he must have cheekily, like, crouch-walked up next to them and then just jumped up like... <laughs> Which is yeah. brilliant. Why wouldn't he do that? He's the fucking Kurgan. Yeah, they make chase into the fog. I feel like he spent hundreds of years just... Hiding. Like, yeah, just dicking around, <laughs> listening to Queen and just air-punching. <laughs> if you had hundreds of years to live, You'd want to start doing dumb shit just to entertain yourself, wouldn't you? Well, that's it, yeah. No wonder. This, no wonder only this got film is clearly more well thought out than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. McLeod hit, hits the Kurgan with a big pipe. Sparks fly. Industrial fog. New York City at night. 
Kurgan takes the pipe and he smashes McLeod with it. Boss, nice to see you again, McLeod. There can be only one. And he kicks him in the chops. Hoofs him. Hoofs him right in the chops. And they're having a fight. And then jibber, 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 jibber. I like helicopter spotlight. The thing is about all these fight scenes is I really like the way they're done because they're all just wide shots, loads of shadow. Yeah. So they can just put proper stuntmen in there. To so you can't see it. Yeah. There's a lot of neon in this film as well. A lot. Of yes. You like neon, don't you, Malachi? I do, yeah. I do. So the police turn up in the helicopter, so they drop your weapons and everyone just scarpers like children picking apples from a tree. <laughs> and the, the the guy on the bullhorn, he goes, I've gone! Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's so ineffectual. He, he's just like, where are you going? Yeah, come back. <laughs> come back here. Come back here, you bloody swordsman. <laughs> Brenda's like, what's going on? Why does he keep calling you the Highlander? He gets shut up and don't you ever follow me again. You've only got one life and you better value it. Stupid Brenda! Back in <laughs> Scotland, everyone thinks Colin McLeod has the devil in him because he didn't die that night. They think he's a witch. They're, gonna, they're all sat in the pub. They're all sat in the pub and they're all looking really concerned. And his wife, she's the worst of the lot. She's like... <laughs> she's fully turned. Yes, yeah, she's fully turned. He walks into the pub and he says, what's the matter, guys? You all right? Is anything wrong? And they go, uh, you zombie man. When last night, you were all but a corpse. Yeah? It's not natural. It's not nature. He says, we've been kinsmen for 20 years, Dougal. 20 years, he says. Conor McLeod was my kinsman, zombie man. I don't know who the fuck you are. And then they all just kick out. They put him in his... His wife's like, he's got the devil in him. He's got the devil in him. Yeah, so they put him in some stocks and they take him outside and kick the shit out of him. They're going to stone him. Well, his wife wants him burnt. Is he like, burn him! Angus, Angus says, there will be no burning here today. We'll banish him. We'll send him off to the woods with a stick like, over him. He's like, can you walk, Connor? Oh, he's bloody like, well, walk out of here. His wife is like, wants him dead. She's screaming. She wants to set him on fire. Oh, my God. She <laughs> kicks off, doesn't she? Just she kicks off. It's your cousin, man. It's your cousin. Oh. <sighs> it's all very, I was going to say daft, but I, I genuinely think it probably reflects the time. It probably would have been like that. <laughs> yeah, people saw witchcraft in slate of hand, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Back in New York City, 1986, Russell Nash's Antiques. It's a massive, swanky place. Obviously, it's an 80s movie, so he obviously lives in a cool-as-fuck warehouse space full of stuff that he's collected throughout time. The next time we see him, in the past, banished, chucked away by his evil wife and his family, sent into the woods and he's walking around sad with a plank tied to him. The next time we see him, he's living in a castle, he's blacksmithing some horseshoes outside, and he's shacked up with a new wife. She comes out with some pie and ale. Do you want it? She says, oh, you're all muck and muscle. And, she says, and he says, I last the way you like it. Yes. They just found a castle. Just found one, yeah. That's it. And uh, they go for a picnic and the oldie bunk up. The oldie bunk up. They're having a little cuddle, add an apple. Have a bit of cuddle. What happens next? Did you timestamp it? I forgot to timestamp the boob. There's a boob. There is a very, very glimpsed boob. Uh, and I forgot to timestamp it. I was doing it from a DVD and mostly from memory, this one, <laughs> to be fair. There's like... I, I mean, I timestamped the arrival of Sean Connery because I was getting impatient for him, but I, I didn't timestamp the boob either. Oh, it's, it's basically the same scene, though, isn't it? The boob. Well, then it's 38 minutes for Sean Connery. First you get blacksmith, picnic, boob, Connery. I felt like 38 minutes until we got Sean was a bit of a wait, and I was oh, quite well, he... cross, but what 
a fucking entrance. That deserved a full love heart. So this film was severely under-budgeted. It's like a miracle it got made. Yeah. And Sean Connery was the most expensive actor in it, Mm -hmm. obviously, being Sean Connery at the time. He was supposed to be there up until a certain day, and once they got past the deadline, they were going to have to pay him shit tons more every day, like like a million dollars every day. Right. Yeah, and he's just waiting the clock out, and the director just gets him to stand in front of a, uh, a blue screen and he says, right, look ref, look right, smile, hold your sword up and fuck off. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's uh, he is Juan... Oh, God. Juan Sanchez Filolobos Ramirez. Yes, yes. So wait a second here. They've got a Belgian with very little acting skill and certainly who's never been to Scotland to play a Scotsman. And then they've got an actual Scotsman to play an Egyptian Spaniard. I'm just confused as fuck. What's going on? You've just got to use your imagination, Mark. It's the magic of cinema. He's got quite a good Spanish accent. Spanish accent. No, he doesn't. He's got a fabulous feather outfit with peacock feathers on him, which earned a love heart and made me very happy. But his Spanish accent is wretched. I don't, what, do you know what? When I first watched this, I had to look at uh, Sean Connery's IMDb page to make sure that he wasn't from Spain. I couldn't I bear him Who's this? Why is Bond Spanish? It was wonderful and I loved it, but it was crap. <laughs> Well, he's, he's here to train Lambert in, in the ways of the immortals. Like he didn't Obi-Wan learn him in any fashion, did he? What happened to all those feathers? He should have used those feathers for a, like a new outfit or something. So yeah, he's, he's here to train Lambert in the ways of the immortals, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, like Qui-Gon Jinn, but for immortals. Lightning strikes as he's explaining stuff to him, and it hits Conor McLeod. In his outreach fingertips, because he's on the top of a mountain at this point, and then he pops back down and he goes, Yes! The sensation that you are feeling is the quickening. You are we are the same, McLeod. We are brothers. He's wonderful. Yeah. He, he's clearly enjoying being this ridiculous character. McLeod is cleaning his blades and reading books about old swords in his huge apartment. And he turns one of the books over, he's like, hang on a minute. Who's written this fucking book? It's only that Brenda lady. Let's have a look in the blurb. See, she's a what? She's a policeman. He's looking through the blurb in the book and he's like, oh yeah, she likes swords. It says here she's really into swords. That's quite obvious. What she do for, is she does what for a job? Homicide? Bell's ringing. She does homicide. <laughs> she said homicide. job. She does forensics. Forensics for the God. cops. Yeah. She's a cops. She's a cops. She's a cops. Yeah. She's a cop. Back in the past, Highlander is doing training on a boat, on a lock, balancing. I don't like boats and I don't like water. I'm a man, not a fish. And you look like a woman, you stupid haggis. And then Sean Connery says the classic line. It's haggis. What's that? <laughs> What's haggis? And he says, oh, Joey doesn't know what haggis is. And he tells him what a haggis is. He says, that sounds disgusting. Like you Spanish peacock. You Spanish. I can he swim, you Spanish peacock. I'm not Spanish. I'm Egyptian. And he chucks him in the water, and he just he rows off and leaves him. So Highlander basically uh, walks home under the water. He's like, oh, I'm not going to die. He realizes <laughs> he has a bit of a laugh, gets his sword out, and then just walks back to shore. He just jauntily walks. Yeah, comes out of the water like a little Scottish Godzilla. 
<laughs> a little Scottish Godzilla. So not very like Godzilla then if he's little and Scottish. Well, okay. And like a little <laughs> Loch Ness monster. There we oh, go. Okay. He's under he's under the water like a little SpongeBob. Like SpongeBob, yeah. SpongeBob. I didn't know I didn't know that Mr. Krabs was the Kurgan. And it blows my that's blowing my mind that is anyway. Get back to work, SpongeBob. I know his name. Connor McLeod, this is where he says, like, this cannot be. This cannot be. Tis the devil's work, Sean Connery. Tis the devil's work. How does this all work? How are we we immortals? And he's just like, just accept it. Why does the yeah. yeah. Shut up. Shut up and get on with it. You are. <laughs> he says, what is it? He's like, why does the sun come up? Are the stars just pinholes in the blanket of night? It's like, no, Sean. No, no, no. they're not. <laughs> He just says, well, I don't know, basically. What I do know is people are going to think you are bewitched. And, like, the, the people in your village, they're going to want to set fire to you. you. You need to hide your immortality. Work on your badass sword skills until it's time for the gathering. He's like, what's the gathering? He says, mate, it's the Grand Kumite of the Immortals. It'll get together and it's a chopper palooza. When there are only a few of us left, they will feel an irresistible pull to a far-off land of New York City to fight for the prize. Then we get training montage, swashbuckling, running faster than a horse. <laughs> right, I want to stop you there on this bloody montage. This film is full of 80s queen and 80s rock and has an 80s rock and wrestling vibe and 80s, 80s, 80s montage doesn't have rock music. What the actual fuck? Because they're in the oldie times. It is in the past. There is no queen in the past. There is no queen. But well, there is. I don't like it. It's a montage that doesn't have rock music. It put me off. It's Mary Queen of Scots, not Mary Queen of Rocks. Oh, he does, he does a hip toss to him. A hip toss? Yeah. He does, yeah. It was a good montage. It's a, it's a good montage, apart from the lack of Queen, I would say. Yeah, I didn't say it was a bad montage. I just said it put me off, that it didn't have rock music. It just had this wishy-washy old stuff. Well, do you know what? I thought about the final battle, because there's no Queen in the final battle. It just plays rousing pirate music. It's just trumpets. Yeah. <laughs> trumpets right. of victory. Also, guys, there's a rule involved. They are lawless people apart from one rule. You cannot fight on holy ground. Don't do it in a church. Just arbitrary rules. Just arbitrary rule. Just one. It's just a way. You can do what you want, but don't fight in there. Also, there's the bit where they're stood on the beach, and there's a... There's this a, is it when he runs with the stag. Yeah, there's a noble stag. And he tells him that he has the power to feel the stag, to telepathically link to the stag. Yeah. And then they run down the beach and it's hilarious. Well, A, it's hilarious because you've got Sean Connery trying to run in that outfit <laughs> and it looked really funny because he's <laughs> yes, just kind does. of waddling down the beach. <laughs> he's not run in years. Yeah. He's not, he's not run since Doctor No. Yeah. And Chris Lambert's just gone free and kilty so he can just peg it. And he goes, I can feel the stag. Yeah. I can feel him. <laughs> and but no point. To there's it. no point to it. No. This that... this isn't a power that he can use. This isn't part. It's just something that they can do during battle. Possess the stag. <laughs> <laughs>
Call upon the stag. Bring me a stag. In New York City, there is no stag. There's, maybe during, There's maybe, a pigeon. Call the pigeons. Maybe during the final battle, all these, these beheadings that go on in New York City, the stags are going mental in the park. <laughs> Just back in Scotland, <laughs> jumping around. We're in Central Park Zoo. Stags are... What's wrong with these stags? <laughs> then we get a bit more swordplay now, but it's high up on a mountain. His training is complete, and he is now amazing at swords. Good stuff. He de-swords Sean Connery. Yeah, and he chooses not to kill him, because he's an honourable man. Unlike Clancy Brown, who's a shitbag from the past. He's evil. He's like, he tells him about the Kurgan. Who wants to live forever? <laughs> I don't, but I wish Freddie did. I wish he did. Who wants to live forever plays a string version of it to uh, indicate sadness, because at this point, Conor McLeod realises, I'm going to live forever. My old wife there is going to wither and die like a beautiful flower in my hands. Well, she is Bonnie Heather, after all. And uh, Sean Connery says, like, he explains this. He's look, I've been married loads of times. The last one, Kiko, she was wicked. But, Shakiko, Shakiko, her father made a sword. Yeah, Shakiko was his last wife. And she was, he was like, she was cracking. But I'm still alive. All the wives keep dying. Don't do it, mate. It's not worth it. Save yourself the heartache and the heartache for her. And he's like, I don't know about this. Because they're at the market. She says, I'm going to go and do, I'm going to go and buy a new dress. Could you buy new dresses from places like that in the oldie days? I don't know, but she just bought a chicken. Yeah, she puts a chicken in a bag and goes, whoa, it's so full of life. Oh, just like her. Just like her. Don't worry about it, don't worry, don't worry. Ramirez tells McLeod of the Black Knight that was in the battle, the man that attempted to slay him. He says it's the Kurgan. Because he feels sick, doesn't he? Yeah. And he explains to him that they can sense each other with like a feeling of sickness. Yeah. It's the same as Buffy the Vampire Slayer and how she can sense vampires. Can she do that? Yeah. Do you remember the film? I can't remember the film. Where like you can you can sense the vampires and she says it feels like PMS. I, I can't. Like my superpower is PMS. Can't that remember. film was terrible. What? The telly series was great, but the film was terrible. No, <laughs> no! Don't say that. It's got uncredited Ben Affleck in it. <laughs> oh, it must be good then. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Ramirez tells McLeod of the Black Knight that he encounters in battle. The Kurgan. He said. For amusement, the Kurgans used to toss children into pits of hungry dog to fight for meat. Because they're really bad lads. So evil. Evil. He says he's the strongest of all the immortals. He's the perfect warrior. And if he was to win the prize, mortal men will suffer an eternity of darkness. Why? Well, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't say that either. He says, well, how do you fight such a savage? And he says, with heart, faith and steel. Because in the end, there can be only one, apart from Peebles and Roger Daltrey, but you don't know about them yet. Later that night, Connor's gone out. I don't know what he's doing. Scottish things, gathering winter fuel, maybe. He's off deep frying Mars bars. Deep frying Mars bars, doing a haggis, getting the book fasting. I don't know. Ramirez and Heather are sitting chatting around the table because Connor's out doing some, you know, sorting a fence out. <laughs> I don't know. Sorting a fence. Horsing a shoe. Shoeing a horse. What a horsing a shoe. Yeah, they, they're sitting there chatting, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're on about the sickness. The birds fly. The, boy, the birds fly. Connery, the birds know. Connery gets the sickness. He says, Heather, get out. The birds are feared. The birds fly away with fear. And then the Kurgan smashes through the wall like Robocop and goes, Ramirez, yeah! 
jumps in the air and chops up the dinner table. What an entrance. <laughs> yeah. He just straight up walks through this door like, Whoa! and then just cuts a table in half. They do get entrances really, really right in this. Again and again and again. Every, yeah. every entrance is magnificent. Burst through the wall, they start fighting. And he's like, yeah, where's the Highlander? And he's like, what, 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 you're there? I've prepared him for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's too late. And they start swashbuckling so hard that the castle starts falling apart. It's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome. They, they fight so hard that the castle explodes. Yeah, it just falls down. The scar on the Kurgan's neck that we saw at the start of the film. This is the origin of that scar. Connery tries to take his head, but he's like, what? And he's wobbling about. He nearly turns him into a Pez dispenser. He nearly does, yeah. Opens him up like a Muppet. Yeah. And he's like, you cannot beat me, Ramirez. I am the strongest. Yes. And he's like, my cut has improved your voice. <laughs> yeah. Because he's got like his badass voice. And then the castle just starts falling apart even more. And all that's left is a stairway. A stairway to heaven for Connery. Have you ever watched the, the music video to Princes of the Universe? No. Well, not, not for a while, not for probably since this came out. Because it's just, it's all Highlander. They've got a bit in the music video where it's that staircase. Yeah. And it's just Brian May on top of it doing a solo. <laughs> oh, he's got the Mac on, hasn't he? Yeah, I remember it now, because Brian May's got the creepy Mac on in the video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the mighty swords plays made the castle fall apart. Ramirez plunges his blade into the Kurgan, but the Kurgan pulls out the blade. As if it was nothing. As if we're a splinter. <laughs> and all that's left of the building is the stairway. Lightning crashes. It's like a stairway to heaven. A stairway to wherever for Connery, wherever these immortal people come from. He says, who's the woman? He says, ah, she's mine. She's mine, Connery says about Heather. He's like, don't you diddle his wife? And she says, ah, not for much longer. And he says, tonight you sleep in hell, Ramirez. There can be only one. And he chops off his head and he gets a big fat dose of the quickening. He falls down. <laughs> and he get, that's when he, he grabs Heather. Hello, pretty. Oh. Implied rape scene. Implied rape scene. I was genuinely, genuinely sad by Ramirez's death. He'd only been in it for 22 minutes, but they were a magnificent 22 minutes. They were. Oh, they couldn't afford him, mate. They couldn't uh, afford any more. Clearly. They had, to, they had to kick him out before he went over budget. Mark, if you want more Ramirez, he's yeah. in the second one. Sean Connery or someone else? Sean Connery's in the second one. Good. So don't worry. It's a little bit different to this one, but um, yeah. Connery's in it, so, you know. I like how I like how once the Kurgan chops Ramirez's head off, he has the quickening, and then he's just like, Whoa! and then lightning strikes and just knocks the stairwell down, and he's like, Whoa! <laughs> he's just so evil. He's though. evil. He is evil incarnate. He throws children into pits of hungry dogs and rapes people. That is bad. That is very bad. He's just so fucking <laughs> evil. It, it, it's not a nice thing to do, is it? No. He's not done one nice thing in this film. <laughs> I like how all his most evil acts are done off screen. Yeah. We just tell people about his evil. He did some proper evil stuff. You didn't see it, but he fucking did do it. Or he's just come back from doing some evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brenda goes to see Nash at his love his Lovejoy style antique shop. She says, what can you tell me about a seven-foot lunatic hacking away with a broadsword at 1 a.m. New York City, 1985? And he just says, not much. He says, what about a Japanese sword dated to 600 BC? And he just says, uh, do you cook? <laughs> and she says, why? He says, uh, why don't you cook me some dinner? And that's how he gets out of that, that situation. To be fair, he is from medieval Scotland. And so. he's been around for years. He just cuts to the gym. He's like, I ain't got time to fuck about. Are you any good at dinner? Yeah? Do you want to do me one? Let's, a, let's, let's have a dinner. Do me a dinner. This is where we meet Rachel, his receptionist and friend. He's, he rescued her as a child during the Second World War. She's his daughter. She's now, his daughter. That's interesting that you said that. The Rachel scene where he actually rescues her and you see where she came from was yeah. only in the director's cut. Oh, really? Yeah. So for people who watch the film as like an, a, the original cut, you didn't actually know how and where and really who Rachel was. How he met Rachel was he, he rescued her from a Nazi in the war. So he's good. He's a good lad. He's the difference, you see. Kurgan had seen her, chucked her in a pit with a dog. Horrible. Do you know, he he would have done, wouldn't he? Do you know what? He would have done. What do you reckon the Kurgan was doing during World War II? Ooh, probably a Nazi, it. wasn't he? Yeah, probably a Nazi. He was probably doing all the evil. Oh, let's not think about it. It's implied. Ooh, that's enough. We should have just a counterpart Kurgan film to Highlander. You should write it. Write a book. Where it's just like this is what the Kurgan This is. is what the Kurgan was doing the whole time. The Kurgan years. Highlander the Kurgan years. Yeah. Yeah. So like so like when, when you've got the flashback to World War Two, instead it's a flashback to what Kurgan's doing. See, this scene was cut out of it because this I know they say it's a kind of magic a lot after this, but this is the first time that he says it's a kind of magic in the film, isn't it? Yes. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. He the, says it in World War Two. Yeah. Dinner with Brenda. Now, dinner with Brenda. She's bugged the room with a tape recorder, hidden a gun. Connor goes round, finds the gun, finds the tape recorder, sees the guy from the crow, the policeman crow man, spying on the house from outside. He's got his sus this immediately. Takes a nice bottle of brandy. And he says, brandy, bottled in 1783. She says, that's old. He says, yeah, fucking, you should have been there, mate. I was. It was pretty good, 1783. And he, and he reminisces. <sighs> about brandy. And he says, oh, I, bought you, I bought you a gift. So thanks, you didn't have to do that. I've just cooked you a meal that you demanded that I make. You didn't have to buy me a gift. <laughs> it's not that I think you're going to try and murder me or anything, sword man of the night. He says, yeah, here's your present. Opens it. What is it? Oh, it's your own book, you little lying bastard. You know all about swords. Where you told me you work somewhere else. I looked in the blur. Says you're a cop. There you go. Right there in black and white. The paper doesn't lie. And he says, uh, and says, what about them? The crow out there. Get rid of him. She's like, I didn't know the crow, he's out there. I know you're a policeman. Don't lie to me. Rumbled, say. She said, look, I'm looking for a sword, not a killer. The one used at Madison Square Garden. I just want to see that samurai sword because it's not supposed to exist. Because it's from 600 BC, metal folded 200 times. The Japanese didn't start making swords like that until the Middle Ages. So where did this sword come from? She says, I want some answers. And he basically says, bollocks to what you want. <laughs> <laughs> and he just leaves, walks out into the New York City night. Well, yeah, because he gets really offended yeah. because he's just like, he's just like, Brenda, you only care about yourself. You don't care about my feelings at all, Brenda. It's like, it's like me, like, 
You're not in a relationship. You've just night stalked her and then demanded she make you dinner. Chicken, now. Yeah, and now he's just like, this relationship is on the rocks. I'm going. <laughs> and then when he's walking out in the fog, he hears a voice from the past. You must leave my brother. <laughs> <laughs> There's no time for us. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now okay, is the so to live I'll be honest it. about this. That I wasn't so bothered about his dead wife, but I did get all kind of teary about the lyrics being relevant to Freddie Mercury's life as well. Well, that's and, it, Mark. That's, and so, that's so I, I got teary, but for not for the reason that they meant it to be when they played that song. I know. <laughs> I know, Mark. It's, it's a highly charged emotional scene. It is. Who wants to live forever? I love must die! Incidentally, I, I would quite like to live forever. I, I, I would, I'd like some more time, please. Let's say if you were like immortal and indestructible. Be all right. Yeah. I don't know. One day you will get trapped somewhere. Yes. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, you'll get trapped, uh, trapped under sea, like Jason Voorhees. There you go. Ooh. Yeah. One day you will get trapped. Get buried at all. Ooh, you will. But it has to happen. You live forever. Like, eventually it's going to happen. So, as we said, like, Heather has withered like Heather would do because McLeod has remained 40 forever. He will be 40 for the rest of his life. Heather says, where are we, Connor? I'm going bonkers because I'm dying. He says, it's not cold. She's got really big eyebrows. Yeah. And she walks over the hill and she's carrying a, a lamb. A spring lamb. The passing of the torch of life. So symbolic. It's very symbolic. The life of chicken. The new spring lamb. Now she's like beef jerky. He says it's not cold. You've got your sheepskins on and the boots are major. Good night, my bonnie Heather. And then he sets her on fire like Darth Vader. He sets the cottage he on sets fire. sets the whole thing on fire and leaves his sword. Fox off to the future. Oh, there's this really... Fox off to the future. There's this really sad moment. Well, there's a, that is a really sad moment. No, there's this really sad moment when she's just kind of sat next to the... Because they're just they're next to the rubble of the castle. And she's just looking at the castle. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't know that she, she was diddled by the Kurgan. Yeah, she just lives the rest of her life next to the... Yeah, the, the, the memories. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. She asks him to light a candle every year on her birthday. Yeah, yeah he does. And he, do you know what? Alas, I will. Alas, I will. I. The gathering is upon us. There is a man in a dressing gown standing on a bridge. It's not in a dressing a, gown. Do you recognise that man? <laughs> He's from Casualty, the casual man. He's from Casualty. He's Captain Tanaka from oh, Captain Panaka or Tanaka. I can't remember from Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. In Phantom Menace. Yeah. He's also in Casualty. Do you know who else was in Phantom Menace? Who? His wife. His original wife. She was a pilot in Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They said, oh, it's, it's been a hundred years since they've seen each other. This is Castor Gear. They bro hug and they drink some booze from his hip flask. And he says, what's that? He says, boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> Big strong man like you should be scared of a little bit of boom, boom. <laughs> so the gathering is here. Time has almost caught up with his old friend. And he says, yeah, I think we should have a party. He says, oh, I remember the last time we had a party. It was 1783, your famous jewel on Boston Common. And the clouds pissed up having a jewel. They just keep getting stabbed. 
he, he keeps getting stabbed by Robert Cole from EastEnders. Robert Cole from EastEnders? Yeah. See, that's a modern character. And I don't know who that is. No, I've no idea what you're chatting about, Fletch. God. He's wonk- he's, his wig's all wonky. He's pissed up all over the place. He keeps getting stabbed and he's, he's not dying. He's not dying. It's quite funny because he's immortal and this guy's getting annoyed. And he says, he offers, his, his manservant offers some guns to shoot McLeod. And he shoots the manservant. Hodgkiss. Hodgkiss. Yeah. Yeah, he's the art expert from Coronation Street. The art expert? Yeah. He's, he's in it for years. Oh. The Kurgan is leaving his hotel room now with one sleeve missing from his leather jacket. The guy, as he's walking past with his sword in the suitcase, the creepy doorman's like, Hey, how'd you get that one? He's like, Don't you fucking talk to me. Don't ever talk to me. Yeah. And he just walks out into the New York City night. Now! And the guy says, Do you not remember what he said? Oh, yeah, as, as, as he's leaving, and the guy says, I hope you get your head chopped off tonight. <laughs> What a what a specific thing to wish upon someone. <laughs> yeah. Tat River, ladies and gentlemen. There's a member of the Tattyverse has come forward again. The evil PE teacher from Elm Street too. The creepy man. The diddler man. The one who gets whipped to death. Yeah. He's a uh, Marine with PTSD in this one, driving around with a... He's with, a vigilante. He's a vigilante driving around with a car full of weapons. And uh, a Cold War t-shirt. And he's listening to Hammer to Fall by Queen. Yeah! He drives past an alleyway and two swordsmen are fighting. He's like, what the hell? That's the guy from Casualty in the voice of Mr. Krabs. So he goes down to the alleyway. It is, it's, it is Kurgan and Casualty Man. P.E. Elm Street Man. He's a, he's a Marine. He says like, okay, Marine, this is real. He gets his guns out and he goes to see the squash buckling happen. And he's like, what the hell is going on? Kurgan takes Casualty's head, clips it straight off. Elm Street stands up. And he shoots Kurgan with an Uzi, fills him with enough lead to put down a big animal. But he doesn't go down. He lives. He stabs the Marine with, with his sword and he lifts him in the air in front of frightened crowds of the New York City folk that are outside the city bars. The quickening comes. It has begun. And it's a big one for him. All the windows blow out. Everything explodes. Manholes explode with fire. Frightened revelers in the bars. Neon everywhere exploding. He runs out in the alleyway, runs up to a car with an old couple in it. Instead of pulling the guy out of the door, he rips the top off of it. He twats it with his sword and then opens it like a can of sardines. Yeah. And uh, chucks the old guy out, gets in, sits next to the old lady and goes, Mom! (laughs) And he barks it, he goes... (laughs) She starts screaming, Help me, Daddy! As they're driving around into the night. And Brian May slices the night with hot 80s licks. So he's, he's just activated now. Yes, that's it. He's just joyriding. Yeah, he's just gone mental. For the last, like, 20 minutes, he's a, he's a man possessed. He's <laughs> wonderful. He's just so <laughs> completely and utterly recklessly evil. And you, I guess I'm trialling something today. You know how I've got my love hearts? Yeah. Well, I'm trialling a new symbol in my notes. What's that? It's a, I approve of this double tick. Ooh. Right. So what's the difference? So well, love heart is where it is a kind of guilty pleasure. I really enjoyed this. It was dumb and it kind of appeals to the Mark likes explosions and action and kicking side of me. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm thinking that the double tick is a this actually made me think. This appeals to the philosophical intellectual side of me. So mm. this film actually does 
look into the pitfalls of immortality. It looks at loneliness, it looks at aging loved ones, it looks at how you wouldn't arouse suspicion by not aging, but it also looks into the idea of going insane because you've lived so long. And that's mm. kind of, in this kind of level of tat, it's kind of worth acknowledging that they have actually thought about this heavy sci-fi philosophy. And so that earned a double tick. Very good. Oh, I very haven't good. decided if double ticks are staying. I'll, I'll I'll maybe look and see whether next week's gets any. But um, that got a big double tick that I thought was worth noting because they actually clearly have put some, you know, this film is tat, the fight scenes have got sparkle swords, but they have put some thought into philosophy and kind of deeper ideas when it comes to immortality, and I liked that. He spent hundreds of years, like a coiled spring, waiting to yeah. find... Waiting for the time of the gathering yeah. where he can just go bonk, where he can shave his head and start. He doesn't even, he doesn't have to, to live in the shadows, as Sean Connery says at the beginning of the film. Yeah. He's, he's now just full Kurgan terrorizing New York. Yeah. It's campy, it's overdramatic, but there's actually a real point to it. Yeah, I, I yeah. really, really, really liked that scene and it made me think as well as being crazy, crazy Kurgan doing crazy, crazy things, lol. Now, Brenda finds out that Cloud has been using dead people's names for years and years. There's a, there's a trail of paperwork. Did, did it, I like the um, the writing machine, that the, the computer that uh, figures out with all of his signatures from the past. They take a letter from each one to spell out Russell Nash. They go, yeah, that's his writing, because that's how computers worked in the 80s. <laughs> Just do anything. <laughs> He says, what you've got here is a guy that's been creeping around for se since 1700, using the idea of dead children, basically, and harbouring goods. As promised, McLeod said to Heather in the sad scene, I, I will light a candle for you on your birthday. And he goes to the church and he lights the candle as promised for Bonnie Heather Lass. And he, he lights one for Sean Connery and says, look after her, you peacock, Spanish peacock bastard. And he sits down. Then the Kurgan comes in he puts all the candles out! Because that's how much of a baddie he is. He goes in the church and, and puts everybody's good luck candles out. And goes, how he's doing it. Brilliant. <laughs> the stuff in the church was pretty grim. I mean, as, as we know, I'm not religious at all, but I found it really distasteful. And if you can yeah. get a reaction from me, I can't imagine what it, watching this would be like for people of faith. It was, it was clearly done to be deliberately controversial and it fucking worked yeah so the kurgan turns up puts extinguishes all the candles that people have lit in the name of hope and things like that in the church the way he's changed as well well he shaved his head you see him earlier in his hotel room and stuff and he's just stoic waiting yeah he's and now he's just joyous and he's just always laughing and evil glee that he's just been unleashed on the world yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. He does some pretty disgusting things. Wag was his tongue at some nuns. He goes, <laughs> he goes Happy Halloween, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what he says, like, yeah, the guy from Casualty is gone. No one else is left now. It's me and you, mate. We're down to the finals. This is it. I've gone bonkers. I'm fucking having you, bab. He says, nice to see you, Kogan. Who cut your hair? He says, I did it. I'm in disguise. I've come here because I want your head and I want the prize. This is also when we find out Ramirez is a fool. I took his head and raped his woman. 
Carl McLeod's go, goes, what? And Kirby says, it wasn't his woman. Ramirez lied. So he's a bad man. Babies down holes, raping people. Oh, and he taunts him. Taunts him about it. He says that she didn't tell him because secretly she was waiting for him to come back. Yeah. And the, the, oh. Oh, the priest comes over and says, calm down, mate. You need to calm this down. By this point, Connor's gone, I'll see you outside. He goes, right, I can't fight you in here because of the one law that we've got. Remember what Ramirez told you. <laughs> yeah. So he goes outside and goes, I'll be waiting for you, mate. The priest comes over and says, uh, street punk fella, that's a little bit out of order. You don't come in here doing things like that. So he says, this is a house of God. So he says, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a worm. And then he lifts No, the priest comes up to him and he's like, this is a house of God. And Kurgan just ignores him. He says, what would he want with yeah. these mortals? He goes, <laughs> he cares so much for these mortals. And the priest thinks he's talking about Jesus. Yeah. The priest is just like, yes, he loves us. And he's like, that will be his undoing. Yeah. So the priest, does the priest think that he's going to, like, this man wants to defeat Jesus? I don't know. He's just said being a bad man. And he, the, the priest says, I'm sorry. I'm a worm. And then I he, am but a worm. And then licks his hand on the way out. He's horrible. He's a horrible man. He licks his hand and then shouts, listen to what I say, it's better to burn out than fade away. And then he goes, Rah! and shouts at them. <laughs> shouts at a load of old ladies. He starts air punching at the nuns. Oh, I, I yes. also think, so, right, that Clancy Brown, from the, for the last 20 or 25 minutes of the film, he must be having the time of his life playing this character. Brenda goes to see McLeod at the antiques place and he tells her that he's been alive for four and a half centuries and, and I cannot die. And he proves this by stabbing himself. She turns up at his place yeah. and is arguing with Rachel mm. because she's found out that he's hundreds of years old. Yeah. And then he turns up and he sends Rachel away because he's going to tell her. Yeah. And there's a weird symbolic scene in this bit. What's that? He, well, he takes her into his antique room and there's all that stuff in there. And he confesses to her that he is Connor McLeod and he's been alive since the Middle Ages. Yeah. And to prove it, he gets her to hold a knife and he gets her to stab him. And then that leads into a sex scene. Yeah. Which is, it's this weird scene of reverse penetration. Right, yeah. Where he gets her to penetrate him right into a sex scene. Yeah, I did think it was weird. A bit of a thing you go. It does have this weird Freudian vibe to it. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if that was deliberate or it was just like, how do you prove someone can live forever? Is stab him. I, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Uh, well, this is the whole Freudian thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Freud believed that in our stories we have this collective psychology that comes out in the stories that we tell, which is why you often see scenes of symbolic penetration and sex and things like that yeah 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 love scene after love scene cut to the part they're looking at lions and this is where i noticed he looks in in the light of day the cost the, the clothes that conor mcleod wears he does just look like a, a street man a man of the streets and while they're in the zoo clancy brown is in the background he sees it why doesn't he sense him no he doesn't no he doesn't sense him maybe because he knows he's near because he's the only one left He's over that. He told him in the church and he's around. They know he's around. I don't, I don't know, mate. I'm he just... must know that he's there behind him. Yeah. Kurgan follows him, follows him around the zoo. 
and then he follows Brenda back to her place. And when she gets there, he's waiting at the top of the stairs eating a mini milk and says, Hello, pretty. He says what he said to Heather. Yeah. His first yeah. love that he destroyed. Uh, creepy man. He smashes his way into her apartment whilst Roger Taylor pounds away on the synthetic drum kit like a demon. And her flat suddenly becomes neon red and green. Every room's got a neon, neon light in it. I love the way this whole scene is lit. Everything is neon from the end of the film. It's brilliant. And then he kidnaps Brenda in the car and he just starts driving into traffic head on over pavements, driving down alleyways. It's a terrifying night trip around New York City. Yeah, there's like these parts of it because he mounts onto the pavement and he starts hitting people. Yeah, he's just running people over. And the way they depict it is that he's, he's driving and then it cuts to a POV camera of the car and like a series of neon red and green stills of people yeah. ticking up towards the to the car and it was really weird. Yeah, it's good, it's good. While this is ha this chaos trip is happening, Conor McLeod gets an answer phone message from the Kurgan saying, I've got Brenda, come and get her, Conor McLeod. So he is, he's on his way. He tells Rachel, right, this, I leave this all to you now, because tonight Russell Nash dies one way or another and he runs off into the night for the final battle. <laughs> so yeah, the final battle is upon us, atop a building, a silver cup sign, a neon sign, and Brenda is hanging from it like a 1930s villain has put her there. Which I suppose technically he would have been a 1930s villain, wouldn't he? At some point. Well, in the 1930s. Oh, yeah. That should be that should be part of the Kogan film. Yeah. Him. He's just like a black and white board villain. <laughs> Tying people to railway tracks. <laughs> 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 yeah, that would be brilliant. McLeod climbs the sign, but then the Kurgan appears, and they, this, we talk about sparks. Sparks are flying, swashbuckling on the sign rigging. The sign begins to fall down. Because he climbs up onto the sign to save Brenda, and then Kurgan turns up and starts just squashing at him. Yeah. And then they fall off, and then the Kurgan just gets angry at the sign, and he just stops spin slashing the sign down by each rung. Yeah. Whilst the sign explodes and falls over, and Brenda nearly falls off the building. Yeah. And in the, in the chaos, a massive water silo tank burst. <laughs> now there's water added to the mix of electricity and death. Sparks, neon, lightning, water. Kurgan hides beneath the water, beneath the surface of the water. It's like aliens. You know that bit in Aliens where Newt's trapped in this sewer bit and the alien just rises up behind her. He does that to Connor McLeod. They're swashbuckling now in like waist deep in water. Then they fall through a skylight into another building and then carry on swashbuckling. This is where they don't play Queen, but they play, they play like triumphant rousing pirate music. Trumpets of victory. <laughs> Trumpets of victory. And it's brilliant they've just got this huge warehouse empty warehouse the camera's just gliding back and forth across the floor as these two silhouettes is just sword fighting yes it's so epic it's, it is epic it is then, epic but then the demons at the end look like something out of a disney oh they look brilliant but it's brilliant kurgan goes to do the death blow he goes to hit him in slow motion and he's just winding up and then he just does this weird face before he hits him. He goes like, blah, blah, like <laughs> he just waggles his tongue at him like he did to the nuns. Yeah, that's it. He's just got to give it the nun waggle. <laughs> just sass him. <laughs> but then Connor sweeps past him and finishes the cut that Ramirez put in his throat originally. Yeah. 
just cuts him and he starts light and then he just starts bleeding demons from his throat. Yeah. And then his head flips off. Connor gets taken into the air by wires that you can see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and starts getting spun around and he's in the, in the and, animation. And he's just screaming about how he knows everything. I know it! I am everything! <laughs> now he's won the prize, yeah? That's it. And he spins around. He now can know and see everything in the world. It's so vague. It's so vague. He can he can it hear is. the thoughts of of everyone, of everyone, of scientists and everybody. And he says, "I can help them understand each other." Well, he kind of does in the second one, though, don't we? Because the second one is about the scientific achievements of Connor McLeod in the future. So he basically becomes this godlike entity. Yeah, at the end of this, but he goes back to Scotland. If I'd have got murdered in Scotland and two, like my wife got killed and raped, I would not take my new wife to go and have a look at it. It would be the last thing I want to do. Happy holiday. Sorry. Why? <laughs> He's honouring Heather. He's honouring Heather, yeah, of course he is, yeah. And that's it. And there's the uh, the jet plane flies over Scotland to yeah. show that this is no longer This is not the past, Scotland. yeah. And you can tell that because they've got modern knitwear on now. Very good modern knitwear. <laughs> and uh, if Brenda's done anything, she's got rid of that coat. <laughs> Stop wearing that coat. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end of the film. Or is it? No, because it goes on for years and they, they batter the, the story. Yeah, to, to because death. he says that he can live, he can die and have children now. Yeah, he says he can die and have children and we'll save what happens to him, how he ends up getting into another predicament uh, for when we do the second one. <laughs> okay. Because the second one isn't great, is it? It's excellent. Is it? You're right, it's not great. It's not great. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's brilliant. Mark, did you enjoy your first time watching of this uh swashbuckling time adventure that is Highlander. This film was so much fun. It was so overdramatic. It clearly had very little budget. It was dumb and it was quite controversial. And it was clearly the plot of Star Wars. But yes, I loved it. <laughs> Everything's the plot of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. I mean, we. Uh, this is genuinely... Genuinely one of my favourite films and Fletcher's it is Fletcher's favourite film. This I remember seeing this as a kid and just watching it to death. There's a handful of films that I watched at the time and it was like this, Robocop and Terminator. And it's just it just reminds me of late night Sundays seem to be the time when I used to watch like sci-fi and action films. And uh, yeah, this just reminds me of that. And I love it. I love this film. It's brilliant, everything about it. Highlander. Highlander, that's it. So, Malika, what are we doing next week, then? Well, we haven't got a... I don't know. The hat is gone. The hat is far gone. I have not had any voodoo situations this week since I think we might have managed to expel... I think I might have managed to banish... I think, I think with doing a film about witchcraft... Oh, excuse me, lads. I've think, chucked, I've I chucked salt all over your house. By doing it a little bit. Are you all right? Well, Bloody I think hell. We'll, or that film about Oh my god! Oh my god, what? it's sick everywhere, it's black! I am so glad I'm not with you. It's disgusting! There's fucking... There's spiders crawling out of the vomit! What? Wait, what's that? What's that amongst the sick there? Is a disc! What does it say? Shocker? Shocker? Shocker! 
That you, is a shocker. You've thrown up a DVD of shocker. They seem to have... Uh, this is disgusting. <laughs> this is disgusting. This is what Wes, Wes Craven would have wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like Conduit is gone, but I, I appear to have started vomiting discs. And I've uh, puked up the 1980s classic <laughs> shocker. So Are you all right? No, I feel a bit ill. I'll tell you what I need to do. I need to go camping. Oh, God. Oh, shocker. Shocker. That film is stupid. Well, that's probably why I puked it up. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us this week for Highlander on Super Tap Film Club. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, do all that stuff with the Apple and all that that we say every week. And don't forget now that we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash FC, where we have three, yes, three tiers. One, I buy that for a dollar. Just give us a pound. We'll put it towards some beers or something. Two, Welcome to SuperTap Film Club. That's £3. That means you get bonus episodes. You get the first six episodes of the entire series that you can't get anywhere else. You can get them there. Bonus stuff. And then we've got another tier where you can join us for a monthly meetup. Get pissed on the internet with us and watch some films. Or if it's after the, the Great Plague, we'll go to the pub or somewhere. We'll work it out. <laughs> go to the pub. We're not meeting these people at the pub. Yeah, we'll go to the pub. Oh, I don't know. We can. Yeah, we'll see. They're all right. I what mean, if we... they're what if they're perverts? That's... Then you know they'll fit in well with Malachi. <laughs> That's the problem with the internet, mate. They all are. Are <laughs> you all perverts? Comment on Instagram. No. Comment on Malachi's pictures on Instagram, Don't. saying what you would do to his peachy little bum. Don't put that on the. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and we'll see you next week for that shocker. 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 <laughs> shocker. <laughs>